It's Monday the 21st of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host, former Australian cricketer Shane Lee, my dear old thing. They're shutting everything down. They are, mate. I'm, I'm down the south coast where I grew up for the family Christmas. But you know what, mate? I can still get the sport down here and lots to talk about today. Yeah, afternoon sport doesn't close at the moment. We're uh, firing along and we've got plenty to talk about. We're going to unstitch this whole cricket situation. India, aren't they struggling? Ewan Porter, our golf expert, tells us all about Charlie Woods, Tiger's son. They shot 10 under. Tell you what, it may not be a decade away before this kid starts winning things. Also today, no Sydney to Hobart. First time in 76 years and Anthony Bell will be part of Afternoon Sport, a two-time winner of the race. Let's get cracking. India, 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 India. Shane, can you believe they got whacked in the second innings for, what was it, 36? At 36, can you believe it? Uh, after the first two days, the, the, the game was in the balance. In, uh, India probably slightly ahead. Um, you have some great performances by our bowlers in particular. Um, Mitchell Stark, 4 for 53, first innings. But Cat, Pat Cummins took seven wickets for the match. Um, and Josh Hazelwood, 5 for 8. Uh, but that all came down to... The, the real key, I, I think, the, the person is not getting a lot of recognition for this match is Tim Payne with his 73 not out in the first innings. Without that 73, it's a very, very different proposition. Uh, but then India bowled out, as you said, for 36. And Burnsy, Burnsy, who we had out of the team, uh, scored more than India <laughs> with 51 not out. And he'll, I think, will retain his spot for the second test. Yeah, well, that, that half century will keep him in there, won't it? And what about uh, Boxing Day? How does India come back from that? Virat Kohli going back for the birth of his first child. We've got Shami with a broken arm. Yeah, look, I think I think they will bounce back. I think the wicket will be a little bit slower. We go to go to a red ball there, which is different. Um, you know, I didn't think the ball did a hell of a lot. It just did enough. But our bowlers bowled the perfect length. Saying that, in Melbourne, the wicket will be a bit slower. Um, a drop in wicket. Uh, so Australia's going to have to really work their innings. Um, obviously, uh, our spinner will come into play as well, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But India will bounce back. David Warner does he? Oh, of course he does. He walks straight back into the side, doesn't he? So yep. who do you get rid of? Do you do you drop head? Do you say to Cameron Green, you'll play some more Test cricket down the way? What, what do you do? I'm sticking with Cameron Green. I think that will be crucial in Melbourne. I think we need potentially another bowler there. But I think Wade will make way. It's unfortunate. Look, he's he got pretty lucky, I think, where he sort of got involved in second career after his keeping sort of fell away to get a go. And then a bit unfortunate then to be pushed up to opener for this match because we didn't have an opener. So I think he will miss out in Melbourne. Even though he nudged a few runs in that second innings, that'd, that'd be tough. I wonder about Travis Head. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts there? Is he, is he a future long-term test player? Look, I think I definitely more future than uh, than Wade. I think, and look, look, the, the, the guy can score runs. I, I just think Wade sort of, you know, the guys like him in around the team. He's sort of a real tough character. You know, I know Justin Langer really likes him, but um, we'll wait and see. But yeah, I think Head being a little bit younger and keep him in that position, and I think Green will, will maintain his spot. Well, the big bash is rolling on, of course. Uh, the Thunder play tonight, but uh, Dan Christian, the second fastest 50, he's a talented cricketer. He's got as much grey hair as I do, and then he bowled beautifully to get the Sixers home against the strikers. He's a talented cricketer. 
Very much so, mate. Like 50 off 15 balls, the second fastest in BBL history. Um, yeah, he's a super talented player, but he's also great. The kids love to watch him because he hits the big balls. Uh, when he bowls, he's always doing something. He's taking wickets. He's bowling bounces. He bowls slower balls, and he's good in the field. And, um, yeah, he's a really, really good 2020 player. Absolutely. All right, afternoon sport. We've got plenty more to come. Up next, let's talk Charlie Woods, the son of Tiger. Well, the world of golf, Charlie Woods. Shane, he's a, he's a chip off the old block. Tiger Woods, the son of you, seen his swing. What about his swing? What about his swagger? <laughs> he's, he's, he's a little champion, yeah, definitely a chip off the old block. But um, it's really interesting to watch. And, uh, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're buying a racehorse out of Tiger Woods, you'd definitely, uh, you'd definitely be picking him for sure. He's, he looks like a little beauty. Well, a man that knows all things golf is Ewan Porter. I think he's on the course at the moment. How are you, Ewan? Well, thanks, Tim. And Shane, how are you guys? Not too bad, mate. Very, very well. And then we're going to talk about your competition, which is basically set to go even bigger in uh, in the new year. But let's let's isolate Charlie Woods for a moment. What do you think? I think Shane hit the nail on the head. I love the swagger. I mean, uh, there are so many kids that are physically talented these days with the way they uh, swing the club and, and play golf. But the swagger, I just, I think there's um, there's definitely an X factor about him, and uh, it's hardly surprising given the genetics. Do you think the uh, expectations are going to be too great on him? It's obviously a lot of pressure. His dad is obviously one of the greats of all time, but um, at a young age and, and playing with your dad, is that going to help him or hinder him? Well, I think playing with him can only uh, can certainly only help him. Uh, as far as expectations, I mean, we saw with uh, Jack Nicholas's son. Gary, he had a couple of years out on the PGA Tour, and he's made a resurgence in the uh, on the Champions Tour in the seniors, but certainly never lived up to the hype, uh, you know, that was built up around him uh, when he first turned professional. I mean, when you're living in the shadow of the greatest of all time, or arguably the greatest of all time in Jack or or Tiger himself, it's certainly not going to be easy. But from all reports, Tiger is one of the best fathers out there, and you can just see the joy etched across his face in playing with uh, young Charlie and they love each other. There's obviously a very close bond there. And as long as the, the pure joy and passion for the game of golf continues, then I think that bodes well for Charlie's future. I just watched one of his shots because it's a two-and-a-half-minute clip and I urge anyone who loves golf to have a look at it. It's basically the two of them, there they are in their sort of mauve, purple, cerise, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Nike shirts. And Charlie, even even that overswing, you know, when he when Tiger whacks the living daylights out of it and almost takes him off his feet and he's put it to like four foot, Ewan. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that was so cool to watch. And look, I mean... Like I said, there are so many physically talented golfers now with technically perfect golf swings. And when you watch Charlie, the way that Charlie swung himself off his feet and he's hit so many really good approach shots and hold putts and fist pumped, you know, we've seen that uh, we've seen that 20 years ago with his old man, and uh, there's something really exhilarating about watching it. Uh, it really, really adds to the uh, to the coverage and uh, makes it fun. Look, I think so too. The other thing, it's um, like Tiger was clearly very close to his dad, um, and you can see that special bond there with these two. And I was playing tennis with my son Thomas, who's only five, on a tennis court yesterday, and it's something really special about playing with your son. Oh, it certainly is. And uh, I know myself, when I first started playing golf, I played with my dad. My dad 
was a rugby league player, but certainly loved playing his golf. And uh, just the bond that we developed really mm. through playing golf. Uh, I mean, you get that, I guess you get that from playing sports in general, but nothing can really translate that bond like the sport of golf can because you get to spend four or five hours on the golf course and really learn a lot about someone at the same time. But you can also have, you know, in-depth, deep conversations. And I know that uh, from my own relationship, with my father and certainly what you've seen with Charlie and, uh, and Tiger and every other father and son really that's playing in that event this week, you can just, you can see how that bond translates so well to the game of golf. Yeah, 10 under, just just extraordinary. And, and some of the approach shots of the little bloke, look, uh, I'm sure he's going to be a superstar. I said in a post the other day, look out for him in 10 years. It might even happen a little earlier than that. Look, I've, I've looked at some of the vision of what's been happening with your tournament as well. Guys like Kai Kumlayan, is that, is that, you give me the right pronunciation, but I saw his swing. I saw you post something. Tell us, tell us how that's all going amidst the COVID drama and some of the talented youngsters. Oh, goodness. Really nothing short of a nightmare and trying to coordinate uh, players coming from Queensland especially. Uh, and then also we had quite a few players had to pull out from the northern beaches. But the, the talent on display here at Newcastle Golf Club in our Adidas Junior Sixes final is, uh, is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, Newcastle has hosted the New South Wales Open before on our tour. And I think when they did, about four under par won the tournament. And already, as I speak out here in the middle of the first round, we've got players that are four under par, three under par. These kids are all 18 and under. And one of the players, Jeff Pullen, shot nine under par the other day at Bonnie Doon, which is no easy golf course. And wow. the, the talent is incredible. More importantly, they're very mature young men and women and uh, very cordial, very easy to talk to. And uh, Kai, who you mentioned, Kai Komulainen, I put his swing up on Twitter the other day. He's only 15. That had 27,000 views in the space of a few days. And some of the best golf coaches and, and golfers on the PGA Tour from around the world commenting on it. And uh, just goes to show, uh, you know, how excited people are at watching the, the next generation and future stars. Um, the great Michael Jordan's started his own private golf course called Grove 23. Have you had an invite to that yet, Ewan? <laughs> haven't had haven't had an invitation. I have seen a few. Um, I have seen a few photographs of it. I think uh, the golf course itself looks great, but yeah. a drone dropping you off beer on the golf course sounds extremely appealing. Well, wow. does it? What? What about uh, Clover Moore and others that want to make Moore Park Golf Course half a golf course? And you see these articles about getting rid of golf. It, it tell you what, my blood was boiling. I walked out of a Coles in Waterloo a week ago, and when I opened, uh, when I walked out the front door, I walked straight into Clover Moore. And uh, two of her, whatever you want to call it, handing out um, uh, pamphlets to uh, obviously to halve the golf course to nine holes, like you said. And uh, I was extremely uh, heated uh, and got in a bit of an animated conversation with them. And obviously, uh, I'm very pro golf and um, that golf course itself in Moore, at Moore Park, it's the busiest public golf course in the Southern Hemisphere and the driving range. And you've got Centennial Park next door. I mean, really, what is she thinking? I, I can certainly understand perhaps some other golf courses in Sydney might make way for some green space um, or perhaps infrastructure or housing, but certainly not Moore Park. I think she was dreaming and kidding herself there. Well, she clearly is because out of the Moore Park Trust and the Moore family, if they take one metre away of that whole park, they said they'll put high-rise buildings on it. So it won't happen. Don't worry about it. Good. Yeah, and, and, and long live the game of golf. And, and the, the, the most positive thing, and we'll leave it here, the Adidas Junior Sixes is flying along. And thankfully, you were able to manage through that COVID thing. I can imagine there wasn't much sleep there. But the game of golf is as good as it's ever been. And, and COVID's actually helped it, Ewan. 
No question. Uh, the golf courses, uh, the play uh, participation levels of golf in general have, have risen substantially in 2020. Uh, memberships have gone up. Uh, people are playing more rounds than ever. People are getting into the game uh, that have never played it before. Uh, golf equipment companies like um, a Titleist or clothing companies like Adidas who are sponsoring our series, they can't make enough equipment and uh, they can't make enough apparel. It's um, it's fascinating. And, you know, as I, I just hope that it continues once we do return to a bit of normality. Hopefully uh, the, the finger is still on the pulse for the game of golf because it is just such a wonderful sport and people from all backgrounds, all walks of life can play it and, uh, you know, I think you can develop a lot of lifelong friendships through it as well. Couldn't agree more, mate. Yeah, those bagging golf can go and pour themselves another chai latte, I think, Shane. <laughs> we'll let you and get back to your round of golf, mate. Thanks for your time, buddy. I uh, appreciate it, Shane and Tim. Thank you very much. Anytime. Coming up next, two-time winner of the City to Hobart, Anthony Bell. Afternoon sport, great to have your company and a man that has actually not only been in the Sydney Hobart countless amounts of times, he's actually won it, he's skipped a boat to the victory and his name is Anthony Bell. How are you, Billy? Yeah, good, mate. I'm really well, thanks, Timmy. How are you going? Mate, we're well, mate. Anthony, first time in 76 years, mate. The race won't go ahead. How does that feel for the guys that have been training with you? Mate, it'll be really, it'll be really hard to bear because so much goes into the preparation. You, know, you literally start preparing... Uh, for the hoedown, maybe about three months beforehand on Potoba, you know, you're buying sails, you're, you're fixing equipment, you're doing mods to the boat. It all costs a lot of money and it all takes a lot of commitment. Every weekend you're out training uh, off the dock at 8 o'clock and probably getting home at 8 o'clock on Saturdays and Sunday nights and getting near even a midweek session. So I really feel for the guys, uh, everyone, um, the big boats and small boats because it, it, it's, it would just be heartbreaking because so much has gone into uh, into what is you know, such an iconic race. And it's remarkable when you think of that time. Uh, that's, that is an inordinate amount of time, isn't it? Nearly 80 years without an interruption. And here we go, we're out. Yeah, look, and I, I was sort of um, speaking to some of the um, <clears throat> some of the skippers and, and other crew uh, you now when they announced that you know, on how it all felt. I remember winning the Sydney Gold Coast once, and uh, you sort of you get to the Goldie, uh, mate. You cross the finishing line. Um, the channel there is uh, too shallow for the uh, big boats to get in, so you pretty much uh, turn around and go back to Sydney. So it's a little bit of a uh, little bit anticlimactic. Yeah, but really hard to um, to fathom it. You know, the big boats will get down there quicker. I guess it's the the medium and the small boats sometimes take up to five or six days to get down there, and to not be able to go to dock and reprovision, and you know, even if, if crew are sometimes you know a little bit ill and knocked around or injured, and not be able to take them off dock, it's it's probably the, the main thing there, which which drove the race committee to say, look, um, um, you know, it's just too long a race, and, and too much can go wrong in that race. You know, they're big pieces of kit. You get a bit of weather on, the boats are actually not capable of sailing back. They they, they need repairs and um, they need uh, immediate stewardship. So I guess that's what drove the reason. Etty, will they try and uh, put a replacement race in, say through the halfway through next year, or look, it's mate, just it's, totally? It's a great question. And, I think they'll try and get our race in, but this is the thing: when the longer the Hobarts have gone, and the more iconic, obviously they are, yeah, seventy-six years. It's really hard. It'd be like, I suppose, um, Shane, to think about trying to play the Boxing Day Test. You know, I mean, sort of in Wagga Wagga or something like that. Mate. It's, <laughs> point, mate, yes. it's, it's just like it can happen, and you get the guys there, but it's just not going to have that history about it. It won't have the stigma about it. Um, my view is, if they've called it, then they just call it and um, go hard for two thousand. 21 and really light, you know, light up with you know a couple of hundred boats and everyone coming back for a major. What's it like to win it? It's pretty good, mate. Like I said, it um, you start to uh, you 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 pretty much get down there. You 
so much hard work. Like I think the first time we won it, I was almost in tears afterwards just, just because of all the work that had gone into it. Uh, the second time we won it, uh, made it, I think we got out of the bar about eight days later. <laughs> it, uh, it is definitely, made it, it's, it's so elating. I guess you know, there's a couple of big moments. There's Boxing Day uh, test match, which is major. There's Melbourne Cup Day, which everyone seems to stop for. I remember as a kid, you know, sort of even, like I said, in, in the fives or six years old, you know, we watched the Boxing Day test and mum had uh, always turned the TV on for the start of the Hobart, you know, sort of Sydney side. So it was kind of like that ritual thing that you do. So, mate, yeah, it's a, you get down there, it's elating. Um, you're exhausted when you win because, you know, a lot of us haven't slept, you know, for after the two, two and a half days um, you meant to get there, particularly the tactical crew, and you're sort of up all the way. But it's you suddenly made a couple of rum and cokes at uh, Customs House and you're back to <laughs> life. And, uh, like I said, I didn't come. I think, uh, like I said, we, we were lucky enough to take some, you know, really well-known Australian athletes and um, and a couple of media people. Um, shout out to Carl Stefanovic, who um, most of the crew didn't know Carl was on the boat until after we finished the race. He stayed below deck, didn't he? <laughs> he was below deck, yeah. I, mean, I think the seasickness got to him, but, um, mate, when the cameras on the lights one down in Hobart, he put in a sterling effort, do you know what I mean, yes. to, uh, you know, to talk way to it. But, yeah, so we, we all celebrated well and... Um, you know, you sort of – your crew become really tight, fellas. Like, it's an incredible – like, when we get together now from the, the 2011 or the 2016 victory and the guys, you share this experience um, that you, you just talk about nothing else but saying, like, Danny Green, you know, will tell stories about on the rails and we had a tough first year when Greeny was there or, or Kearns, will talk about, you know what I mean, sort of that, you know, sort of the – you know, days gone by when there was a hundred knots of wind going across the side of the boat. And, uh, and so that you, you have this bonding sort of thing, mate, that probably – We'll never stop. The stories just keep telling. The laughs keep coming. And, and Carl will probably talk about the cup of tea that he made for the crew. But um, what, <laughs> um, what, what, what's the uh, ballpark, the, the, the cost of sailing for this not going ahead? Well, mate, so it's, a, it's a big one. So the, the sailing's an industry and it, it keeps, you know what I mean, sort of in every boat has support staff, it has shore crew, mm. uh, mate, there's suppliers everywhere um, that, that, you know, sort of even in the last week are still tinkering on boats and getting them ready to go, you know. I remember uh, in 2016 when we won it, we had a 24-hour crew working on the boat up until the morning of the race, do you know what I mean, yeah. to try and, you know. Um, and so, mate, that was like seven or eight jobs, do you know what I mean, of guys that were just working on it, you know, to get the boat as tuned as it could be and, and, and we've done a bit of damage in practice during the week which had to be recovered from. So, yeah, it's a real knock-on, mate. It's, it's the guys, you know, they're the big boats, the maxis. They've got 24 crew on them. Um, most of those are professional sailors and most of those make their living out of sailing. Then you go down and there's still pro sailors on the 60-footers and 50-footers. So I guess mm. those knock-on effects would also too be a, you know, a bit, of, bit of a dampener. And then you've got, you know, you've got everything else around it, you know, media, TV, um, all the rights that. Sponsors won't be overly happy because they've already kind of put the money into it and they're going to miss out on all of the exposure that they otherwise get, you know, sort of over those yeah. few days um, before and after the race. Yeah, I think the uh, meme of Back to the Future where they say, do not touch 2020 is, is pretty true. The pandemic, thankfully, will go away. We will get back to some sort of normality or, you know, if not completely normal sometime soon. And there is a strong rumour that I'm hearing you may do a Jack Farnham, a John Farnham and make a comeback. Another comeback, retired twice already, mate. You generally, uh, when you win the race, you generally retire and sell the boat straight afterwards because that's <laughs> that's when the boat's at its highest value. Um, they're not, particularly if you're down the train coming third or fourth, mate, no one really wants them. Uh, it's not like you just take the boat out for a Sunday snack with the yeah, family. It takes 24 guys to get off the dock. So, yeah, mate, I'll meet you again. Um, there's... Um, You'll see with the America's Cup, the boats are foiling now, the um, you know, sort of over in New Zealand, and they're 75 footers. 
Uh, there's been a series overseas uh, around the world series tugboats that are actually getting up and they're actually flying out of the water, which means they're almost on hydrofoils. And I think that's that's going to be coming to Hobart. And I think, you know, sort of eventually, you know, that someone will crack that 24-hour uh, race record. So, um, yeah, man, I'm itchy again, guys, and uh, and quietly um, quietly thinking about it. Uh, every time I have a few drinks over Christmas, you get more excited about it. And uh, uh, so, we, yeah, we just, like I said, trying to work out where and when to come back in. Well, Anthony, definitely don't sell that other big gin palace of yours, mate. That, that looks too good to uh, get rid of that one. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people talk about that. The, uh, the power boat, uh, unfortunately, mate, it would be nice if we uh, all got on that and went down the Hobart, mate. It would be a much different trip to uh, what we on the boat, mate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Freeze-dried food and, uh, and mate, basically, you know, I mean, sort of no bathrooms on the boat at all. Uh, so a completely different way of being around on the water. Oh, exactly. Well, mate, have a lovely Christmas with the girls. It's always good to talk, and it's great news that you're you're looking for a comeback, a two-time winner already. And uh, yeah, we will get back to normal. Thanks so much, Anthony. See you, Shane. See you, Jimmy. See you, Belly. See you, mate. That's it for afternoon sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today goes to Anthony Bell and to Ewan Porter. Thank you our sponsors, O'Brien Beer and Spartan. And of course, I'll tell you what, he is what John Bertram was to sailing when it comes to podcasts. His name is Dan McHugh, our producer. He does a sterling job. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. It's been good fun, Shane. We'll see you then.